Welcome to another podcast from the Montour County Historical Society. My name is Terry Diener, your host for the monthly program. The Historical Society has two museums open to the public each Sunday from 1 until 4 p.m. The Montgomery House and Boyd House Museums at the corner of Route 11 and Mill Street in Danville share the rich history of Montour County. Step back into time to view the home of Danville founder General William Montgomery, or walk through rooms of the Boyd House. You'll be able to see weaponry and uniforms from the men and women who answered the call to serve their country and Montour County. Or check out the story of businesses and industries which shaped local history, including the story of the first T-rail made in Danville which transformed the railroading industry in the 1800s across this country. Historical Society members are admitted free, as are high school students. For all others, a $10 admission provides entrance into both museums. At the present time, face masks are required. Philip Moss was born in the year 1731 in Zweibrücken, Bavaria, on the banks of the Rhine. He lived in that country until the year 1841 when he and his father and mother came to Philadelphia, which at that time had a population of 15,000 people the great majority of whom were members of the Society of Friends, the Quakers. The old State House, Independence Hall, was then a new building. George Thomas was then, and for several years afterward, lieutenant governor of the province. The new world was truly new to Moss. At school, Philip finished an education which prepared him for the practical duties of life. He soon became versed in the English language, so that he spoke and wrote both German and English with fluency. This proved of no small benefit to him years later. In 1750, at the age of 18 or 19, Moss was transferred from school to learn the manufacturing of stockings and other woolen fabrics, a business of much importance in the colony of that day. In the course of five years, Philip became proficient in the business and established himself in it in the year 1755. He succeeded in it beyond his anticipations for nearly 20 years, when it was interrupted and suspended by the troubles with Great Britain. Philip Moss had three brothers, Frederick, Charles, and Matthew. Matthew was a physician and became a surgeon in the Revolutionary Army, and was with General Richard Montgomery on his expedition into Canada, and was at the capture of Fort Chambly, St. John's, and Montreal and helped carry Montgomery's body off the field at the Battle of Quebec on December 31, 1755, during the invasion of Quebec. That invasion was a major military operation by the Continental Army in the American Revolutionary War. Sufferings and exposure of that campaign did not deter Matthew from serving his country through the entire war. Matthew Moss was a skillful surgeon and gentleman of culture. By a treaty with the Iroquois Indians dating November 1768, what is now Montour County was included in a large tract of land in central Pennsylvania that was opened for settlement. On April 3, 1769, the earliest possible day to make a purchase, Philip Moss bought and received patents from Thomas and John Penn, the sons of William Penn, for 600 acres of land on Mahoning Creek. One writer says it was named Moss Hall. It should be noted here that Moss made his land purchase a few years before General William Montgomery, who founded Montgomery's Landing. Eventually, it was renamed for his son Daniel, who laid out the town. 
In Philadelphia, Philip Moss was good friends with both Benjamin Franklin and Robert Morris, who would be among the signers of the Declaration of Independence. Dr. Franklin, prior to the war, was the agent or representative of the colonies in England and was highly respected and appreciated on both sides of the Atlantic. But Moss's most valued friend was Robert Morris. Both were the same age, educated in Philadelphia, and both were known for their faithfulness and hard work for colonial Pennsylvania. Morris was one of the partners in the mercantile firm of Willing and Morris, and afterward became a strong financier of the Revolutionary War. The relationship between Moss and Morris was lifelong, and both took an active role in the fight for independence. Moss furnished the clothes to the clothier general in the quartermaster's department in the Continental Army. In the summer of 1776, he was actively engaged not only in manufacturing clothing for the army, but also in procuring from others whatever would help in the comfort of General Washington's ragtag troops. Manufacturing operations were of the utmost importance to the Continental Army. That work continued non-stop in Philadelphia until the approach of the enemy in the summer of 1776 and were finally suspended after the Battle of Brandywine, September 11, 1777. The battle was a defeat for Washington's army, and two weeks later, General William Howe's British forces took over the city of Philadelphia. Moss and his family, as well as others, fled the city. He went to Valley Forge and lived in the mansion of Colonel John Henry Antis. John Henry Antis built and defended Fort Antis, 1777 to 1778, during the period of the Great Runaway on the west branch of the Susquehanna River. The Great Massacre in the Wyoming Valley occurred on July 3, 1778, and as the news passed down the north branch of the Susquehanna River and spread over the hills and valleys leading to the West Branch Valley, it caused a general stampede, a wild, precipitous flight of the settlers from the upper region, which has ever since been known as the Great Runaway. The brother-in-law of Colonel John Henry Antis was William DeWeese, who owned Valley Forge during Washington's encampment during the winter of 1777. It was located near the home of Isaac Potts, which was built from 1768 to 1770 by Potts, a Quaker who operated a grist mill nearby. George Washington and later his wife Martha as well occupied this house from Christmas Eve 1777 until June 18th of 1778. While the British Army occupied Philadelphia, Moss employed all of the manufacturers of stockings in places like Reading, Lancaster, Lebanon, and others in the vicinity. Wool was purchased and he employed spinners and weavers. As a result, he succeeded in supplying the destitute army with 1,000 pairs of stockings per week. For these, he paid in coin when the makers refused to receive continental currency. Through his energy and perseverance, he continued to supply the army at the same rate until the end of the war. Moss first visited his purchase in 1782. He reported the little settlement of Danville had just been founded by the Montgomerys and said there were half a dozen families from the southeastern part of the state and from New Jersey. With the carpenters Moss brought with him and with his son's help, he erected the first cabin in Valley Township. Its site was a short distance from the right bank of the stream, nearly a half mile from the stone mill built in 1800. Moss had to flee the land because of problems with the Indians. He buried his tools to keep them from being stolen. He and his family then went to Northumberland for a year and then to Lebanon. They then moved to Northumberland for three or four years, which had the protection of a fort. 
Peter Blue, Frederick Blue, and James Stutfelt, agreed to lease the Moss Farm, agreeing to take possession as soon as it would be possible from the Indian troubles. They came on according to a contract and went vigorously to work. The arrangements for them to come here had been made in Northumberland. In 1786, Moss returned to his land and constructed a home for his family, and the farm expanded. This was not the stone mansion which would be built in 1845 by a grandson. In 1789, Francis Moss, Philip's wife, died. He continued to make improvements to the land, building a sawmill in 1793, which provided most of the lumber for buildings in that area. Some of the lumber was also sold in Danville, with some, along with grain and flour, rafted down the Susquehanna River to places like Baltimore and Philadelphia. After 1832, the shipments were made on the Pennsylvania Canal. A Delaware Indian village was located on the north branch of the Susquehanna at the mouth of Mahoning Creek. The Delaware had been conquered by the Iroquois, but claimed that the Iroquois had no right to sell their land to the whites since the Iroquois had returned to their northern homes while the Delawares had remained. They abandoned the village in 1774. A survey of 1772 showed a trail leading north from that village, meandering through what later became Danville, Mossdale, Washingtonville, and on to Muncie. An Indian trail was never much wider than 18 inches in width. This trail was used by the early settlers, and in 1785, the Northumberland County Court made it an established highway and brushed it out to a wider width. Remember that the area which is now Montour County was part of Northumberland County at that time. In order to prepare for construction of his grist mill in 1800, Moss had to build a mill race to channel water from Mahoning Creek and use the force of that water to turn the wheel which ground the grain. Building that mill race was not without its problems for Moss. Battle's History of Columbia and Montour County says his experience digging his mill race was varied. One portion was dug by the Catholics and the other by the Protestants. And several times Mr. Moss had to take possession of the clubs and shillelas to keep them from being worn out over bloodied heads. This was called their amusement. And by way of explanation of these theological discussions... It should be pointed out that these men consumed 11 barrels of whiskey while at work and play of digging the mill race. The discovery of iron ore in Columbia County dates back to 1822 by Robert Green, a farm laborer employed by Henry Young of Hemlock Township, while plowing a field near the end of Montour Ridge on the bank of Fishing Creek. Prospectors found the ore to extend west along the ridge on the north side to Mooresburg. It was discovered, however, that the best ore was found to be located within a few miles east and west of Mosdale. One written history of the area says that the northern section of the present Mosdale was laid out in lots and called Minersville. A man by the name of Stetler owned and operated a mine where the church at Mosdale now stands. At one point, the boiler blew up, killing the engineer and demolishing a building. The mine was abandoned and the land was sold to Philip Moss. The Grove brothers received their limestone from their quarry at Grovenia via the Reading Railroad. The other Danville furnaces received their limestone, which played a very important part in the manufacture of iron, from three large quarries all within a mile of Mosdale. The quarries were owned by the Montour Iron Company of Philip Moss and Dennis Bright. Revolutionary War merchant and supporter Philip Moss died in 1815, but the Moss legacy would carry on. His son Joseph married Sally Montgomery. Sally and Joseph had two sons, 
John, and yet another, Philip F. Moss, who was born in 1810. Philip acquired the bulk of the property and married Sarah Gallagher. They had two children, Henrietta and yet another, Philip Eugene Moss, born in 1852. Philip F., the grandson of the original Philip, constructed the stone mansion in 1845 to be near the sawmill and gristmill started by his grandfather and managed by Joseph, who was Philip F.'s father. Unlike other large and elaborate homes of the Victorian era, the Moss home was a combination of Greek Revival architecture spattered with Victorian elements. Simple and austere, the home was marked by straight lines, sharp corners, and large rectangular windows. It was a large home for its time, 6,000 to 7,000 square feet. By all accounts, the Moss family designed the home and hired mostly local craftsmen to build it using only local resources. The entire exterior was built from Pennsylvania Fieldstone and was marked by a grand balcony that protruded over the front porch and ran almost the entire length of the home. The interior contained 14 rooms with ceiling heights ranging from 10 to 20 feet. Thirteen fireplaces, also constructed of Fieldstone, were adorned by heavy wooden mantles carved from local trees. A wide circular staircase led to the second floor, while a colossal stone hearth, large enough to walk into, dominated the kitchen. The forty or so windows were surrounded by deep, hard-carved sills and overlooked Mahoning Creek and into the heart of Danville. Outside, the grounds were blanketed with century-old chestnut and maple trees. We'll get back to the Moss Mansion and its eventual fate in just a bit. Philip F. also laid out a portion of his property west of Mill and south of Milton Streets in lots in March of 1854. The plot of ground was surveyed by George West with the following streets. Race and Liberty Streets ran north and south, while Green and Spring Streets ran east and west. The Bosdale branch of the Montour Iron Company Railroad ran the entire length of Race Street. It crossed Mill diagonally at the intersection of Milton Street with a siding at the south end of Race Street. It hauled limestone from the moss and dried quarries. Near the south end of Race Street was a way scales where all of the limestone from the privately owned quarries was weighed. Cindy Moss was the waymaster. She also taught a subscription school. She received two cents per day per pupil. A foundry was located just east of Mill Street, just north of Cold Run. At first, it manufactured wooden car wheels with cast iron rims. Later, they were all cast iron. Car axles and other castings were made. It's reported that the foundry was very active in the Civil War, making cannonballs. Later, David Moss operated it as a repair shop and made threshing machines. The Fenstermacher Tannery was built in 1836, about a mile north of the built-up area of Mosdale. The tannery buildings covered about two acres of ground. Twelve vats six feet square were on the property. They used lime, bark, and chicken manure to remove the hair. As part of the process, the hides were rolled by copper rollers powered by steam and controlled by the foot. The finished hides were hauled to a railroad siding and eventually to market. Other buildings and activities in Mosdale included a carriage works built by Henry Greiner in 1873 between Race and Liberty Streets south of Cold Run. The blacksmith shop was built over the stream. They built, painted, and repaired carriages and buggies. Another blacksmith shop stood just north of the Mosdale or Valley Hotel. I like this description of the Moss Pioneer family, which made this area their home. The experiences of the Moss family are a graphic illustration of what were the sources of past time and work of a respectable, intelligent, and well-reared people. 
How completely were they thrown upon their own resources? Only when they had raised their sheep could they clothe themselves in woolen goods in the winter. For summer they made linen goods of the flax they raised. Woolen or linen the men wore hunting shirts, made after the style to be seen in the pictures of Daniel Boone. The Moss family cultivated early two acres of flax. There was a Scotch family in the settlement that did most of the weaving. Before the era of wool and flax, they dressed deerskins and the hides of other wild animals, and of those made clothing. Rabbit skin caps were quite an elegant luxury at one time. We're told that in the Moss home during the long winter evenings, by the light of lard oil iron lamps, they read books of devotion. Cook's Voyages, Weems' Life of Washington, Deserted Village, Vicar of Wakefield, and even Don Quixote. When the family reached a point of ample fortune, a family carriage was purchased. It was the style of Louis XIV. Nothing ever created a greater sensation in the valley than the arrival of this family carriage. It's said to be the first in what is now Montour County. There were 12 company houses in Mosdale at one point in time, and a company barn just south of the bridge near the Mosdale Church, and nine row houses just north of the old fairgrounds. The first water tank in Mosdale supplied both water and wood for the wood-burning locomotives. The pump was driven by a hot-air engine. The railroad ran excursions to the widely known picnic and camp meeting on the southern end of the village. The park contained many very large oak trees. Two sons of the original Philip Moss, Joseph and Lewis, were members of the Montour Light Horse Cavalry, along with Daniel Montgomery, the son of General William Montgomery. The cavalry was organized when the governor of Pennsylvania asked for volunteers for the War of 1812. The cavalry was never called to duty, however. Samuel Moss became a prominent watchmaker in Danville, while Susan Moss, the younger of two Moss daughters, married Philip Strawbridge of Strawbridge and Clothier fame. Early in the 1840s, Lewis Moss, who ran the first keel boat in the Susquehanna River, joined with a Pottsville group to build a blast furnace on part of the Moss land. The building of the furnace, which today is known as Franklin Furnace, was overseen by Eli Trago, who at the time operated a converted charcoal furnace near Moorsburg. The construction of the Moss Furnace and two adjoining company homes was completed in 1845. The wife of Lewis Moss, Catherine Bachman Moss, was widely known for her dairying, according to her obituary. She taught school in Valley Township in the late 1800s. She and her husband were also responsible for the fine springs in Valley Township that were used to provide table water to Montour County residents. Andrew Jackson Moss, the son of Lewis and Catherine Moss, tried unsuccessfully to operate the site as an iron furnace and limestone kiln. After a time, A.J. Moss took one of the company homes for a shop and produced fine match and hunting rifles for the next 40 years. Edna Moss Thompson manned the cider press on the property that produced hard cider during the peak of Prohibition. The congregation of the St. John's United Church of Christ was organized on March the 9th, 1865 in the Siddler's one-room schoolhouse along the Jerseytown Road in Valley Township. It was organized as a member of the Reformed Church in the United States and was commonly referred to as the German Reformed Church of Mosdale. The original congregation consisted of 18 men and women. They laid the cornerstone for their first church in Mosdale in October of that year. A frame structure was built on the old Danville-Washingtonville Road. That road today would be located between Mosdale and McDonald's. Their charter in 1871 was for St. John's Reformed Church of Valley Township. Tragedy struck the old church in May of 1928 when it was destroyed by fire of an unknown origin. 
After acquiring a new site, they were determined to start constructing the estimated $18,000 building in 1929, even though it was a difficult time for all during the Depression years. The company constructing the new Danville-Washingtonville Highway did the extensive grading as a contribution, and labor provided by members of the congregation defrayed $3,000 of the cost. Their new red brick church, located on Route 54 before turning left into Mosdale, was dedicated in 1930. Today it is the home of the Iron Mill Church. Henrietta Moss, the sister to Peter E. Moss, acquired the farm located along Route 642. There was a house and a barn, and there used to be a Mexican restaurant there. Henrietta never married. She died in 1923. Before she died, she sold the property in 1920 and moved to a home on West Market Street, and she established the Moss Trust, which is still in operation today. It was intended to help the less fortunate in the community. Going back to the big stone mansion constructed in 1845, the home and surrounding farm was purchased by John C. Peters in about 1923. Peters owned several farms and businesses in the area. The Hawley family was employed by Peters to farm the land and care for the home. They were the last family to reside there before it was demolished. Donald Hawley vividly remembers the house. He said, to give you an idea of just how big the home was, I got a bike for Christmas and could comfortably ride it inside the house without worrying about hitting one stick of furniture. He said the attic was large enough to play basketball in. Unfortunately, plans to connect Route 54 to Interstate 80 were solidified, and PennDOT said the home stood in the way of progress. It was taken by eminent domain. Several attempts by people in the community to spare the home failed. In the end, it was demolished on March 16, 1970. Ironically, the home did not interfere with the new highway, and a narrow dirt service road is the only thing that intersects the property today. Well, thanks for taking a few minutes to listen to this week's podcast. And again, we welcome you to stop by and visit us. The Historical Society has two museums open to the public each Sunday in Danville from 1 until 4. The Montgomery House and Boyd House Museums at the corner of Route 11 and Mill Street share the rich history of Montour County. I close the podcast with a quote from Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., taken from the turbulent times of the civil rights movement in the 1960s, but certainly one appropriate for the present period of time that we live in. History will have to record that the greatest tragedy of this period of social transition was not the strident clamor of the bad people, but the appalling silence of the good people.